Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This week brings back memories of loss. Nineteen years ago, on August 31st, Diana, Princess of Wales, was killed in a car accident. The grief in Great Britain lasted for weeks. Last year at this time, our congregation lost Father Bill Rhodes when we realized September 2nd that he had died. We are still grieving. We will always remember his ministry here, his smile, his deep sense of prayer and reverence, and his ability to come up with just the right thing to say about anything. And if he couldn't, he'd say something funny and make you laugh. I can't believe it's been a year. And similarly this week, the world lost a singer who wrote over 1,800 original songs, more than Madonna, Dolly Parton, and Mariah Carey combined who had a longer career span up to this point than Elton John, and a popularity amongst the Spanish-speaking community that mirrors the English-speaking world's fascination with Princess Diana. I am speaking of the Mexican singer known as Juan Gabriel, who died this week in California. I know the English news has only briefly covered this event, But the sense of loss in the Spanish-speaking world is tremendous. What is it about such beloved personalities? What is it about all of them that always make us want to know more, to relate to them in a new way, to learn something new about them? I started speaking this week with various members of the Spanish-speaking community at Trinity and in our area, And I think one of the things that was hardest about losing Juan Gabriel is that he was someone who faced every adversity on the planet. Poverty, lack of education, abuse, lack of influence. And yet, he became the most successful singer the Spanish-speaking world has ever known. One story kept coming up over and over and over again when I spoke with people, and so I decided to do a little bit more research about it. It turns out that Juan Gabriel started singing at a very young age, and he was noticed for his talent by the time he was eight years old. And so when he was 15 or so, he went from his hometown of Juarez, and he went to Mexico City to try to get a recording contract but nobody would give him the time of day. So he goes home. A couple years later, he tries again. Still doesn't work. The third time, he was around 21 years of age, and somehow, when he went to Mexico City, he got in trouble. Someone accused him of robbery, and he was sent to jail indefinitely, awaiting trial. While he was in jail, he continued to write songs, and he would sing them to other inmates. They were so good that even the warden of the prison was impressed. 
And this warden of this prison actually introduced him to another Mexican singer named La Prieta Linda to visit him in prison and to get to know him. And this singer, La Prieta Linda, was a rising star in the early 70s. And so she hired, she saw him and she hired the best legal counsel they could find. And after proving to the courts a profound lack of evidence for any crime at all, Juan Gabriel was released. The rest of his life is pretty much a a series of success stories. But his status... His status in the world changed because La Prieta Linda believed in him in a way that no one else in the world did. She helped set him free. The same happened to Onesimus. I'm talking about the slave we read about in Paul's letter to Philemon, the shortest book in the New Testament. Onesimus, a slave of Philemon, has run away and is visiting Paul in jail. Now, although the name Onesimus in Greek actually means useful, Onesimus has abandoned his post at Philemon's house, presumably to escape slavery, and has come to find Paul, presumably to learn more about Jesus. After all, Paul had visited Philemon's house before, and he had baptized the household. But the ways of the kingdom of God were new to the household, and maybe something wasn't quite right. We don't entirely know. But what we have to do is we have to read what Paul writes in his letter. He tells Philemon that Onesimus has grown up. And even though Paul says he was previously not useful to Philemon. He is now useful to both Paul and Philemon because Paul's heart is going back with him home. But that's not all he says. Paul appeals to Philemon on the basis of love to welcome Onesimus back with open arms, not as a slave, but as a beloved brother, both in the flesh and the Lord. Yes, there are parallels of this story with Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, but this story is bolder in some ways. Paul is telling Philemon to take back a runaway slave and to free him. It's the only time we see this type of language in the Bible when it comes to slavery. Paul wants Philemon to do the right thing because to know Jesus is to know that people are not meant to be owned. They are meant to live as free people. It's a concept that Paul doesn't even quite know how to conceive of. In general, actually, the Bible as a whole cannot really conceive of a world where slavery doesn't exist. Paul knows that emancipation is the right thing, not punishment. And so he places his hopes high up in the kingdom of God and expects Philemon to do the right thing and to free Onesimus and to treat him as a beloved brother, as a member of his own family. This is absolutely revolutionary language. I don't know if I can stress enough that this entire letter 
casts an entirely different light on St. Paul and his clobber passages we hear about when we hear about women or about people he considers sinful. This letter shows that Paul's desire as a servant of Jesus Christ at the end of Paul's life here on earth, the reading says that he's a very old man, that his main desire is to right the wrongs he sees in the world and to set people free to explore their own life with Jesus Christ in this created world that God called very good. Absolutely remarkable. All because Paul believed in Onesimus. Because Paul believed in the goodness of Philemon. Because Paul believed in the never-ending and liberating love that Jesus offers all of us in the kingdom of God. This text, this letter to Philemon, is our key to answering many of the unanswerables of our time. This 457-word document unlocks a whole framework for us when we struggle how to love our neighbors as ourselves, when we struggle how to understand the differences in people's deeply held political beliefs, when we get overwhelmed by our inability to care for our environment and the creation, or when we see hungry people on the street, and we feel that we're incapable of doing anything about it at all. Or when we see the homeless suffering from despair or from lack of food or for lack of medical care, and when we see children of the world dying of hunger and living in danger. This document helps us find our freedom in Jesus Christ, one person at a time, working together to set the world free. Will the answers always be clear and straightforward? No, of course not. But the answers we seek will have to follow Paul's counsel to Philemon to be grounded in love to be grounded in the liberating love of Jesus Christ so that we can see the Onesimus figures who are all standing around us. To be like that singer in the 70s, La Prieta Linda, who rescued Juan Gabriel. To be like Paul, who takes a risk and says, you're going to do the right thing, even though it's unseemly, even though it's against any kind of thing that you're familiar with, but you're going to do the right thing because you love Jesus and you know he wants you to do the right thing. It's just an amazing letter, a letter of love to all of us. Now, the ironic thing with all of this is that the we read almost the entire letter this Sunday morning. But the letter has two more verses, a mere three sentences, and our lectionary somehow chose to leave them out. One of them is so important so important. After our reading ends, just after our reading ends today, Paul writes, one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Paul says he's coming to visit. Now, doesn't that add new emphasis? 
Think about it. Paul's words aren't just words. He means what he says about freeing Onesimus. He's going to come and check in and make sure that it happens. My words today can't be just words. And your good thoughts and well wishes can't just be words either. For us to truly walk in love as Christ loved us, we have to appeal to one another on the basis of love to right the many wrongs of the world, to restore people to wholeness, to set captives free, to be the agents of Christ's liberation in this day and age, even when that type of liberation seems impossible. We commit to it because we act as citizens of the kingdom of God for the world that God loves. And Jesus sends us helpers to do this work. People like St. Paul. People like the abolitionists of the 19th century. People to comfort the dying like Mother Teresa, who was named a saint today. People to make our hearts soar with song, like the singer Juan Gabriel. And people to bring us very much closer to the very heart of God. People like Father Bill Rhodes. All of them. Help us to relate to one another in a new way. Many of these have believed in people in a way that no one else in the world did. And many of these who gave us a portion of their hearts, possibly of Christ's heart, so that we could share this portion of love with someone else. So that like all the people I mentioned, we as the beloved community of the people of Trinity Cathedral, people like you and me, so that we can also be liberators for Jesus in our world that needs our love right here and right now. For a world that needs us to imagine the unimaginable, to conceive of the inconceivable, all for the sake of building up this holy realm of the kingdom of God on the earth right here, right now. This is a lot to think about. So I'm going to simply close today with the same parting words that Paul closes with in his letter to Philemon. These words were for the house church that met at Philemon's uh, house, and they're all for us as well. Very simple, but very meaningful. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.